Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. And you can also mail in a one-time donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. You can also send a donation with the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net and become one of our Patreon supporters uh, with a monthly donation of $2 or more per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Man from Homicide. The original air date on this one is August the 27th of 1951. And this is the Steve Morton case. Stay tuned for The Man from Homicide. There are two requirements essential to a good radio newscast, speed and flexibility. News of tomorrow, ABC's nightly roundup heard Monday through Thursday, ensures listeners of both. Editor John Daly can draw upon 30 overseas correspondents stationed at vital points around the globe. Six news bureaus stretching across the United States and over 290 ABC affiliates with their local news staffs. When news of tomorrow hits the air, a complete to the moment picture of the world's happenings is on its way to ABC listeners. Tonight, for swift news awareness, listen to ABC for News of Tomorrow. The Man from Homicide. According to Webster's Dictionary, homicide is the killing of one human being by another. According to Lieutenant Lou Dana... It's the beginning of a dirty, dangerous job. It doesn't end until a killer is found. I don't like killers. Every week at this time, the American Broadcasting Company presents transcribed the star of stage and screen, Dan Durier, as Lieutenant Lou Dana, the man from Homicide. Trouble with being a cop in Homicide is that by the time you get there, the damage has already been done. You just pick up the pieces and put them together, if you can. If the puzzle adds up to an answer, then a killer is stopped from doing further damage. If not, well, then you just wait till the next time. That's one thing you're pretty sure of about a killer. Sooner or later, there'll be a next time. The picture boys and the lab boys were pretty well through by the time I got there. Okay, boys, hurry it up, huh? The corpse was male, white, about 45. I'll be sure you get those color shots good, Eddie. They'll be important on this one. Steve Morton had been shot full in the face at close range with a double-barrel shotgun. Get a close-up in that color, Eddie. Two 12-gauge shells can make quite a change in a guy's features. 
Well, the boys are through, Lou. What do you make of it? Somebody didn't like them. Yeah, sure proved it. Anybody around? Uh, the wife and a fellow named of Thompson. He's, uh, well, he was Morton's attorney. Where? Library. There? Yep. Come on. You talk to him? Not much. The wife was in pretty bad shape. She found him, called homicide, then this attorney. She's uh, pretty hysterical. She is, huh? Well, maybe she loved him. It happens, I hear. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's her. I didn't think it was the guy. Uh, <clears throat> this is Lou Dana, Mrs. Morton. I'm homicide, Mrs. Morton. Been assigned to cover this. Oh, please, no, no more questions. I can't. Sorry, Mrs. Morton. You want us to catch you ever murdered your husband, don't you? I can't talk about it. I tell you, I can't. Lieutenant Dana, I'm Everett Thompson. I'm Mrs. Morton's attorney. That sounds nice. Couldn't you possibly postpone any further interrogation of Mrs. Morton until she's had time to, to compose herself? Sorry, first impressions are the most important. Ten minutes from now, she may not remember us clearly. Mrs. Morton, I'm sorry, but there are a few things I have to know. Very well, I'll, I'll try. Do you know who shot your husband? No. Do you suspect anyone? No. Where were you when it happened? I told the other officers I'd been to a bridge party. Witnesses? Of course. And when you came back, you... I opened the door, stepped in the room, there, like there was a floor. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. She's terribly upset. I'll try and quiet her. Yeah, try. You get the time she got home? About 40 minutes ago. How long has he been dead? A good two hours. Well, doesn't look as though we get much from her. No. And she called Thompson. He got here after the first of the boys. What's he got there? Oh, Miss Morton dropped her handkerchief when she ran out. Oh, let me have it. I'll give it to her when I question her again. Yeah, here. Yeah. Thanks. Hey. That's funny. What? Oh, wouldn't you say Mrs. Morton seemed pretty shaken? Never saw anybody cry any harder. Why? Her handkerchief, Dave. Feel it. It... It's dry. It sure is, Pappy. Sometimes the leads come fast. It looked like this was the time we'd stumbled onto something right off. I went back in the living room for another look at Morton. Nothing. He was just ten minutes deader. The room was large, luxuriantly furnished. It was an exclusive neighborhood. It would take dough. Morton had dough. But what's a corpse going to do with dough? A more pertinent question might be, what's a widow going to do with dough? Methinks the lady doth protest too much. When did you get on speaking terms with Shakespeare? Oh, I, uh, <clears throat> I read a book. Ever read one entitled The Care and Feeding of Rich Widows? Oh, I could write that one. Yeah, with your figure, writing it is about all you could do. All right. You going to try and break her with that dry hanky, I mean? No, let's pretend we didn't find it. That way she may not have her guard up. All right. You through with the leading man here? Yeah, tell the boys to clean it up. I'm going to have a talk with the missus. All right. <clears throat> okay, boys, take the morgue there, customer. Then get back to the lab and stop sitting. 
Back at headquarters, I started putting the pieces together. There were three of them. A dead rich man, a young beautiful widow who cried dry tears, and a suave attorney. Put the pieces together, and they added up to homicide. There was only one thing wrong with the idea. And that was that that's all it was. Just an idea. I started out after information that would turn it into a fact. Dave. Yes, Lou? Have a check made on this guy, Everett Thompson. Sure, Lou. I want everything. Background, financial interests, friends. Check. Same thing on the deceased. Uh, background and financial interests, okay, but uh, it's going to be a little hard to check on his friends. I don't know which place he went. You got the build for a comedian, but not the brain. Past friends. (laughs) Okay, Lou, just kidding. You got the names of the people Mrs. Morton says she was playing bridge with at the time of the killing? Yeah, sure. Uh, Right here. Leave them. Am I going someplace? You are. Where? Justice Court, Division 3. Ask the clerk if Everett Thompson was there yesterday at the time he said he was. Anything else? Just get back here as quick as you can. Then you can go with me to make a pinch. Oh, you seem pretty sure. I got a nose for these things. It's so pat. Motive, Thompson and the missus are in love. She inherits, and then they get married and live happily ever after. Only I'm afraid they're going to find it a little crowded in the electric chair. Yeah, but Lou, they both claim alibis. I got a hunch that's where we'll find the hole in their plan. Now get going. Right. Let's see, uh, Spangler, Edith, Mrs. George, Moody, Peters, Sandler, Simpson, Spang, Spangler, George, Hillbrook, seven, one, six. Hello, Mrs. Spangler, Lou Dana, Homicide. Do you know Mrs. Steve Morton? Yes, it is too bad. You know her then? Oh, I see. Was she at your home playing bridge yesterday? Oh? What time did she leave? I see. There were other witnesses? Uh, I see. Uh, Thank you very much, Mrs. Spangler. Oh, yes, you've been a big help. You just hope my best idea into oblivion. Oh, Lou. Glad I caught you. Afraid you sent me on a wild goose chase, son. I've been on one myself, Pappy. The season's open on wild goose chases. Well, we've been where he goes before. Sorry to disappoint you, Lou, but Thompson was in court yesterday at the time he says. And Mrs. Morton was playing bridge. Yeah. Well, looks like we maybe convicted those two a little premature. It looks to me like we didn't convict them at all. Dana here. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, shoot. Oh, I see. Thanks a lot. Anything? The lab with the autopsy report? Yeah. Time of death, 3 p.m. Thompson was in court till 3.20, and Mrs. Morton was playing bridge till 4. So we cross them off the list. We tear up the list. They're the only ones on it. And they're apparently as clean as Las Vegas tourists. As the actual killers may be. 
meaning? Sometimes the hand that points a gun is a long way from the finger that pulls the trigger, Pappy. Now, Ruth... If those two didn't have something to do with that guy's death, then I've lost my instincts. Eh, cop and homicide without instincts? I said if, Dave. And I haven't lost him. I've still got him. And I'll bet you my pension against Mrs. Morton's dry hanky that they're right. There's always something fishy about a killer's story. I had only a hunch, but it kept prodding me. I couldn't prove how, when, or why she and Thompson had wanted her husband dead, but I was sure they had. I decided to go ask her. Well, Lieutenant, I hardly expected to see you again so soon. It isn't a social call, Mrs. Morton. Sit down, Lieutenant. Thanks. Stick a gum, Mrs. Morton? Gum? Certainly not, Lieutenant. No, you wouldn't. Mind if I do? If you must be gauche, go ahead. I will. Helps me think. What flavor do you chew, Lieutenant? Cyanide? What's that mean? I was just thinking. The kind of thoughts you think... Come from the people I have to associate with. I see. A cop in homicide doesn't write poetry about birds and flowers, Mrs. Morton. He thinks more in terms of guns and blood. Knives and wounds, rigor mortis, bodies on slabs stop in the it. morgue, and faces blasted from two barrels of a Please shotgun. Please, stop it. Why did you and Thompson kill your husband, Mrs. Morton? Oh, you're despicable. Thanks. Why, Mrs. Morton? Lieutenant Dana, I didn't kill my husband. Neither did Everett. I loved my husband. I'm sorry you don't believe me. I don't. But I'm sure of one thing, Lieutenant. I don't have to submit to this sort of torture from you. Unless and until you're ready to charge me with murder. I don't have to see you again. Okay, Mrs. Morton, okay. You'll see me again. She was right. She could refuse to answer any questions. She could deny any implication. She could mourn and weep for her dead husband... And she could insist that neither she nor Thompson were involved. But she couldn't make me believe it. The trouble was, I didn't have any way of making anybody believe me, either. Lou! Lou? Yes, Dave, what? Got something. Routine report on Morton. Oh, what is it? He was in trouble, Lou. What kind of trouble? Money. Morton? Oh, I thought he was one of the idle rich. Yeah, might have been idle, but not rich. Not anymore. Explain. Yeah. Income tax boys breathing down his neck. They were about to make a formal charge. Evasion. 600,000. Seems he'd been phonying up his returns for years. And they were going to collect? And not only that. According to this report, they were going to ask a stiff prison sentence as well. How long? Ten years, anyway. And they'd have made it stick, too. Except somebody beat him to the punch. Six hundred thousand and ten years, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe he wasn't so unlucky after all. Guy in that spot would be better off dead. Yeah. Yeah. Lou, you thought about the other angle? Suicide? Uh Uh-huh. Well, could be a motive, all right. But what about the gun? The guy doesn't shoot himself in the face with both barrels of a shotgun and get rid of the gun before he dies. If Morton killed himself, which I doubt, somebody had to help him. 
No, Dean. I don't think Steve Morton wanted to die. I think... Wait a minute. Uh, idea, son? Could be, Pappy. Could be. How long has Steve Morton been buried? Uh, about two weeks. Why? Oh, what's on your mind, son? Murder, Pappy. Murder. Hello, Dana. Give me the lab. Casey? Dana. Now, listen, Casey. Could you still get prints off a two-week-old corpse? You could? Good. Thanks. Lou, you aren't thinking of... I am. Get an order out to have Steve Morton's body exhumed. Get the lab boys to make prints. Then I want to have a look at them myself. You're welcome. You don't expect pleasant work in homicide. We only had Mrs. Morton's word for identification. I got a hunch that's not enough. Now get on it. Okay, son, if you say so. I say so. And Dave. Yeah? Don't let the boys in the press in on this. Let's keep it strictly inside the department, huh? got busy with their grave digging and I got busy on a fresh pack of gum and some more heavy thinking. I still had that hunch. I still felt Mrs. Morton was mixed up somehow. I went out to see her again. I got the kind of a fishy stare only an unwelcome guest can get from a well-trained butler who likes his job. I wore my nastiest disposition and discouraged him. Mrs. Morton came right down. Lieutenant Dana. I thought you understood that I didn't wish to see you again. I know. I'm a pest, huh? If you've come to make more accusations, especially unfounded ones... Did your husband drive a car, Mrs. Morton? Certainly. I want his driver's license. What makes you think I'd have it, Lieutenant? The way you apparently felt about him, I thought you'd probably keep his personal effects. Yes, of course. But I don't believe I remember seeing his driver's license. I don't have it. You don't have it or you don't want me to see it. Why shouldn't I want you to see it, Lieutenant? Maybe because it'd have his fingerprints on it. Goodbye, Mrs. Morton. I went back to headquarters. The driver's license didn't worry me too much. Could be prints somewhere as if a guy is important to Steve Morton. Dave had the boys do a real fast job bringing in the body. They had it now on a slab in the morgue, and Dave and I went together for a look. Which one, Dave? Uh, right here. Pull him out. Yeah. Well? The boys get his prints? Yeah, yeah, that's all you wanted. And I put him back now. Wait a second. Dave? Yeah. Look, his hair. Well, I... I, uh... Notice the color, Dave? Yeah. Same as it was, black. Uh, Look close. Uh, Gray. Close to the scalp, it's gray. It sure is. Well, what does it mean? It means we check his prints against every source, and most of all, we compare them with Steve Morton's. Steve Morton, it turned out, had had a government job during the war. The federal boys cooperated and we got a copy of his prints in a hurry. The guy in the morgue was wearing a different set. The hunch was becoming a reality. At first, I was sure Cynthia Morton had murdered her husband. 
Now I was sure she hadn't. Matter of fact, I was beginning to think nobody had. We'd need some more routine to be sure. Give me the lab. Dana here. Listen. I want you guys to sketch a reconstructed face for the guy we got in the morgue. Yeah. And then a physical description. Weight, height, eyes, and so on. Yeah, as near as you can come to what he looked like alive. Except for one thing. Give him gray hair. Thanks. Dave. Dave. Yeah, Lou. In here quick, huh? Okay. Good old routine. The cop's best friend. It always pays dividends. Sometimes you gotta have a hunch to get it rolling, but in the end, it's the routine that pays off. What's up, Lou? I'm having the boys make a sketch of a face to go on the guy in the morgue. As soon as it's finished, run a check with the missing persons. What am I supposed to be looking for? A name to fit the body we got on the slab? The boys ran off the sketch. He's a pretty good-looking guy, maybe in his 50s, strong chin, large nose, iron gray hair. Of course, anything, even a sketch, would look better than he did after taking that blast in the face. I went to show Mrs. Morton my sketch. Well, Lieutenant Dana, how unpleasant meeting you again. You're pretty rude. Don't you like competition? I don't mind. You don't win friends in homicide, but then you don't particularly care for the people you meet. Something special on your mind, Lieutenant. Your age. Well... You heard me, your age. Thirty-four. Ah, uh, you look older. Now, listen, Nervous you... Nervous strain, I... maybe. Do you dye your hair, Mrs. Morton? Certainly not. How about your late husband? Did he dye his? No. Mind taking a look at this? It's a pencil sketch of a guy. Know him? No. Why? You should. He's using your old man's coffin. Well, I... That is, he was, till we dug him up. I... Where is he, Mrs. Morton? I... I... I haven't anything further to say to you. Rather say it to the D.A.? You, you can't bring any charge against me. I've done nothing. Ever I... hear of an accomplice or concealing a criminal, obstructing justice? <clears throat> Stiff sentences with all of them. Maybe even the chair for the first. And that's real hard on a beautiful woman. Like to tell me where he is? The best you can get now is a light rap for turning state's evidence. And the worst? The chair. I... Just tell me where he is. Make it easier. We'll find him anyhow, and this will be quicker and easier for you, too. Well, Mrs. Morton? Suffolk. It's an apartment hotel. 2200 block out on Canyon Road. Okay, Mrs. Morton, get your hat. I'll drop you off at the jail on my way. Steve Morton had dyed his hair all right, red. He'd be wearing glasses, too, and he'd have a mustache and be going by the name of Fred Carter. I found out about these things on the way to headquarters from his wife. I booked her on suspicion of murder and then drove out looking for the guy we thought we'd already buried. It was one of those small places in a residential district that tries hard to look like a home. But business wins in the end, and the neon sign spoils the approach. There was a guy on duty behind the desk. Mr. Carter in? Oh, oh you startled me. Uh, Mr. Carter, yes. Whom shall I say? Don't. What room? I'm sorry, unless I can announce you. I'm afraid that Dana, you... Dana, homicide. Homi... Hum, hum, hummus? Murder. 
Yes. What room? Uh, uh, two fourteen. Uh, the elevator. Uh, you run it yourself. I can manage. Just keep quiet. to the elevator. That part I did like. Mr. Carter wouldn't be expecting company. Yes? Hello, Mr. Carter. Last time I met you, you were dead. I... I don't believe I understand. Maybe you'd understand better if I said Morton. Steve Morton. Who are you? Lou Dana. I never heard of you. You'll wish you never had. I'm homicide. I overplayed my hand. Morton slammed the door in my face. The night latch was on. I gave it the shoulder. It didn't splinter like they do in the movies. I thought, if I was a trapped killer, what would I do? I figured the fire escape. There was an alcove 20 feet down the hall. I took a chance. The window at the end opened onto the fire escape. I looked out. I was right. He was on it. It didn't seem like a good idea to stick my head out again. I peeked. He was still there. I'm coming out, Morton. That means you'll have first shot. But if you miss, I'll have the second shot. I think you'll miss. But you know I won't miss, don't you, Morton? Cops learn to shoot. We go to school, go to the pistol range to practice. We shoot straight, Morton. Remember, if you take first shot, I take second. Okay? I'm coming. Real smart, Morton. You'd have come out second best. Okay. Let's go to headquarters. How they doing, Dave? The dame won't talk, and the guy is screaming for his lawyer. 72 hours before we have to book him. Get him in my office, Dave. Okay, Luke. I could have written my report without him, but it looked better on the record if I had their stories on it. I was thinking. It was funny. First time I ever had to track down a corpse for his own murder. Dave brought in the corpse... Alive and kicking. You can't do this. I demand to see my attorney. Relax, Morton. Killers don't demand things here. You have no proof. It's only guessing. Wild guessing. Want to hear how wild? Hell, Lou, tell him. It's too easy. It wouldn't have been. You might have made it except for that dry hanky. Dry hanky? Yeah. Your wife was real broken up about your death. She really threw the weeps. Trouble was, there weren't any tears. She dropped her handkerchief. It was dry. From then on, I knew it was a phony. Just a matter then of proving how and why. And you think you have? Sure. Here's a report from missing persons. Man by the name of William Forbes disappeared from his home and job about four weeks ago. It's a funny thing. He was about your size, height, and weight. Of course, his hair was gray, but that was easy to fix. And you know something, Morton? 
His fingerprints fit the guy you picked for your stand-in. And I suppose this person just agreed to all this? Oh, I got a theory about that. You got an attractive wife, Morton. After you'd picked him for size and shape, it'd be easy for her to lure him to your house. Why, thank you, Lieutenant. I don't know how you got him to dye his hair, but when we exhumed his body, we found it was gray at the roots. Is that all? No. One more thing. You're in deep on an income tax wrap. Straightening it up would break you as well as get you ten years. So you get this guy Forbes in your house, shoot him full in the face with a shotgun. That fixes it so nobody can tell it isn't you. You take the gun and hide out. That makes catching the killer tough, on account of we're looking for the same guy that's supposed to be dead. And just why do I do all this? Because you carry a real nice insurance policy. Mrs. Morton's the beneficiary. When things simmer down, you and she can live nicely as Mr. and Mrs. Carter. Well, Morton, like to tell us where the gun is? I'm not talking until I see my attorney. Okay, Dave, take them both down and book them on a charge of murder in the first degree. Oh, no. Feeling bad, Mrs. Morton? <laughs> well, what do you know? This time, the tears are wet. <laughs> Attention to detail, that's what catches killers. And lack of it, that's what trips him up. Morton and his wife had fixed up a real cute plan. The trouble was, neither one of them had thought about a dry hanky. Funny how a little game of drop the handkerchief can make the difference between freedom and a chair. Of course, no killer gives a cop's credit for being smarter than he is. That's because a killer has an incurable conceit. Yeah, a guy has to think an awful lot of himself to kill another man. Especially to shoot him in the face with a shotgun. It'll be a long time before I'd get rid of that memory. I don't like killers. You have just heard another in a transcribed series starring Dan Durier as The Man from Homicide with Larry Dobkin as Dave. Music was by Basil Adlam. The Man from Homicide was written and directed by Dwight Hauser. Be with us again next week, same time, over most of these same ABC stations to hear Dan Durier as the man from Homicide, Orville Anderson speaking. This program came to you from Hollywood. America is sold on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Welcome back. A pretty good story about uh, just a, a more procedural episode that I think does work as just a very sturdy procedural. Uh, there are some moments, uh, I particularly like the part where Lieutenant Dana tells, uh, tells the wife that the electric tear is particularly hard on beautiful women. It's like he's saying, ugly guys don't mind being executed. 
I mean, or is he under the impression that the big problem that beautiful women would have is that getting the head shaved before being electrocuted? That's the bummer, not the whole being dead thing. But Lieutenant Dana did get one thing right when he confronted the husband uh, with the whole reminder that... Uh, Policemen shoot a lot better than civilians. And uh, it's something uh, Adam uh, Plantinga covered in his really good book if you're interested in understanding modern police work from the perspective of a big city uh, beat cop. It's a really good read. His book, 400 Things Cop no, Cops Know, is that really most criminals are not all that good of shots. Uh, they generally don't practice uh, as compared to police who really do it regularly as part of their required training. So Dana wasn't bluffing at all. Certainly his move may have been a bit foolhardy, but uh, it also, the the way he prefaced it, I think he did a good job of socking out the killer. All right, well, uh, listener comments and feedback now. Stephen writes, uh, regarding the episode, uh, The Drowned Girl Case, your comments at the end of today's shows were almost the same ones I wanted to make, but what led me to a bigger question, are Americans really as comfortable with beating the truth out of someone as it sounds on old-time radio? It isn't even uh, just Michael uh, Shane, Pat Novak, or Lieutenant Dana. Nice guys like Richard Diamond, The Lone Ranger, and Superman are not above either beating someone until they tell the truth or threatening to drop them from a great height to get them to tell the truth. I've never seen the show, but I've read uh, that some of the, the same types of techniques are popular in 24. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I think when it comes to... Uh, I, I won't speak until, to 24. Um, I, I will speak uh, on old-time radio. I think you have to understand that there is a certain uh, fantasy uh, element to many of these programs. You know, not in the sense of, you know, wizards and dragons or that sort of thing, but it's not really about uh, reality. If you go back to the roots of Superman, he was created in 1938 during a time when there were was a lot of uh, there were criminals who pushed people around and really abused uh, them. And uh, I think when you look at a character like Superman, he was intended to be this being from another planet who would act to protect the innocent where law enforcement, had failed or not even tried because of uh, corruption. So there's this fantasy element of criminals who brazenly walk the street and uh, extort money from people, suddenly having the tables turned on them, and they're the ones in terror. They're the ones who are experiencing real fear at the hand of uh, someone who is bigger and stronger and capable of putting them into a state of fear. 
Uh, you take a look at Richard Diamond, and he really does come from that hard-boiled school of detection. And most of the people that uh, he beats up are thugs. They are people who hurt other people, uh, who are innocent people, and often have uh, beaten up Diamond first. And that's one of those expectations for the hard-boiled detective, that the hard-boiled detective uh, is able to give as good as he gets. He's the knight in tarnished armor. He is moving in places and circles that the police uh, may not even be able to uh, go in order to achieve his own uh, results. So you, you do have that. And uh, I think, of course, the question becomes, does that mean that uh, we want private eyes and a bunch of you know, unlicensed people going around beating up whoever they're of a mind to in real life. I don't think that was really the situation during the golden age of radio. Uh, I think it was it was a fantasy. It was catharsis. It was a way to emotionally and uh, deal with uh, criminals and to take them down a notch in the psyche of the public, that these gangsters, they were not romantic heroes. They were people who, if they uh, met the wrong person or they ran into somebody stronger and more powerful than them, would really crumple and show their cowardice. Uh, some more comments on this. Uh, yeah, uh, you have Dennis who says, uh, in direct regards to Stephen, simple answer, no. There was a period in the past when there were cases of brutal behavior, but they were not as common as Hollywood, which includes radio makes it seems. Fiction is just fiction. Where would the plot be if the bad guys called their attorneys all the time? You would need a year to complete every story. That's true. You'd have law and order. Uh, Joe says, frankly, I'm enjoying this series. Uh, should the police then or now behave like Dana? Certainly not. But this was entertainment, like all entertainment. Sometimes you hate the hero, but that's part of the show. Sometimes you love the villain. Uh, that is part of the show. I like Pat Novak and Richard Diamond. I find them entertaining. However, I can't get into Mr. Keene, and I can't stand Boston Blackie. I do not find them entertaining. I love this episode of Man from Homicide, to each their own, I guess. And uh, also a comment from Eric, who writes, uh, This definitely didn't deserve a second season, but it was fine. It felt a little like it was trying to uh, be hard-boiled. And when a show feels like it's trying, that's usually a death knell. Gotta admit, I snort laughter at the exchange. Have I told you I'm from Homicide? No. I'm from Homicide. I hope I read that uh, right. I'm not a Dan Durier, but thanks so much for the comment, Eric. And yeah, this only was a summer replacement series that ran for about 14 weeks. Trace writes, Lieutenant Dana seems to be a real Debbie Downer. Even when people are speaking nice to him, he's all crabby. I'm trying to like it, but I think I need more time. Uh, and thanks so much, Trace. Uh, one listener left a review on iTunes, and uh, they uh, will not need more time. Uh, they say, oh, Adam, 
This show is horrible. Of all the wonderful shows to listen to, this one is not worth trying to get through to the end. I would rather go back and listen to Dan and the Wonderful Lamp for the hundredth time than even try to get to the end. I hate the man from Homicide. Wow, well, I'm sorry you're not enjoying it. Uh, the listener actually gave that out. Oh, the entire podcast, a one-star review on iTunes over The Man from Homicide. So definitely some strong feelings on this series, but we've only got one more week left. So if you're not enjoying it, wait to see uh, what we have next, and hopefully you'll like that uh, instead. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Rocky Jordan. And next Tuesday, our final episode of Man from Homicide. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.